0: On the belt to the plate, a swing and a miss, and that's a winner, that's a winner, a World Series winner for the Cardinals. Smith, parks one in the right, down the line, it may go. Go crazy, folks, go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2 on a home run by the Wizard. in the left field adios goodbye and maybe that's the winner a three-run homer by clark and the cardinals lead by the score of seven to five and they may go to a world series on that one folks. One a team what a ride the cardinals are world champs in 2011
1: Welcome to That's a Winter Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins, as here as always. I am here, though, tonight alone. Um, Josh Brown is not available, and, but hopefully we have some friends jumping on with us. It is a uh, good day to talk about Cardinals baseball. It is an off day, and we're going to be heading to Tampa Bay today. They're there there today, and the games start tomorrow. Tampa Bay is coming off uh, some, you know, some um, they're having some distractions uh, in Tampa Bay. And they're talking about uh, not wearing the patches, and I'm hoping because of that they have a, are a little distracted, and um, they lose three games to the San Luis Cardinals. But uh, we have one guest already ready to jump in, and there is Kyle Peach. Kyle Peach joins us um, from his office in Mount Carmel, Illinois, with uh, Jack Buck in the background looking good. Kyle, so I don't know if you heard me just briefly talking about Tampa Bay. Have you heard of all the things that are happening with Tampa Bay?
0: Fill me in. I have not. Just joined in.
1: Well, so Tampa Bay has had uh, the patches for Pride Month on their jerseys, or the the something with them, and there's been numerous players that have said they don't want to wear those, and so there's been a lot of distractions. So now, seemingly, this is going to be the first games that will open up uh, with the Cardinals, with the Cardinals, with the Tampa Bay, um, with the distractions. Do you think that will have any effect on those guys? I mean, it's only a handful of guys, but it's in the clubhouse. It, you can't assume it to be very good for them, right?
0: Hey, anything in the clubhouse that is in the clubhouse is not a good thing for the game. I I don't care who you are. Anything bad clubhouse related is not good for the team. And so uh, obviously I think that the Rays are going to have to come up with some sort of solution that is amicable to everybody involved. But, you know, when something like that breaks and gets uh, gets out, that's trouble. Uh, You got to you got to. A tough situation there, obviously, with uh, how you're going to handle the PR moves with all of this. I mean, if some guys aren't wearing patches, what's that going to mean? What's questions like that going to bring in inside post-game interviews in the locker room? And, uh, not at all a good situation, it sounds like.
1: Well, so if you think it back, uh, I don't know if you also saw, and I could never find the tweets or anything, but Brendan Donovan, they surfaced tweets uh Chicago fans after – uh, he had a good night and they beat and then Cardinals beat the Cubs on Saturday and he had four RBI that uh, they surfaced some old tweets of Brendan Donovan. They were anti-gay or something of that nature. And I think he was like 14, 15 at the time. I could be wrong exactly how old he was, but they surfaced those. And then that was a distraction before the game. And that uh, turned out to be just fine for him.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's all about how you handle things like that uh, for starters. One, um, Two, it's it's putting your players in a situation where, you know, it, it makes it difficult. I think, and, and that's a that's a note to all you fourteen and fifteen year olds watching the <laughs> podcast tonight. Don't tweet anything controversial ever, uh, because it will come back to bite you. Uh, however many years later, uh, it's kind of scary uh, in, in a way that in how things are taken today and how deep into backgrounds people are searching for things just to, out of spite. But uh, nonetheless. Uh, you got to be careful uh, about those kinds of things where they're going to be issues.
1: Yeah. You wonder how I don't, you know, I'm not Twitter troll by any means. I wonder how they even can get to such a thing and to be able to like, are you going in there on their Twitter page and searching for certain buzzwords to see what they said or different things? I'm, I'm not really sure, but um, the Cubs fans did not take uh, lightly that they were getting beat up again by some random Cardinal they'd never heard of. And they uh they lost and so they were upset so they were looking for ways to cancel Brendan Donovan. He addressed it before the game and it said you know he didn't mean anything by it. Then I mean he didn't understand you know whatever he that's how he was when he was fourteen. He he changed his ways or whatever, and he didn't let it be a distraction. And then he went out and had four RBI and won the game. So maybe it helped fuel him. I'm not sure. Yeah, well,
0: and you go out and you you take it head on. You address it. Yep. I did it. I said it. It was wrong. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to. Didn't know better. I'm a better, bigger, older person now uh, and and move on. But, uh, you know, know, I'm like you. I I don't know how far back and where these people go to find stuff that's so old. I do remember you and I sitting at Busch Stadium and the Cubs one year hit a first pitch home run on the very first pitch of the game against us. Um, And and yours truly brought up – what I thought was an unwritten rule about, you know, you don't swing at the first pitch. And I was retweeted by so many fake anti Cardinal <laughs> fan Twitter accounts that it wasn't, uh, wasn't too funny at the time. So there you go. It, it can happen.
1: Well, well, and Brendan Donovan deactivated his Twitter. Um, it looks as if as well. So you can't go and search any old stuff now because it, it doesn't exist. Um, I was looking for it because I, only the only way that I found out about it is I saw his comments from the media addressing it. I never saw anyone else talking about it. It was only really happening on the on the Cub side of Twitter, uh, and then I could never even find the actual things that he said because then he deactivated. But you know, but I, that makes cool. me also think about um, it was uh, the 2011 postseason. Twitter was a few years old at the time, and in the, in the outfield it said it had hashtag postseason. And you asked, what are all these pound
0: signs all over? Yeah, yep. that's that's this old guy. I don't understand hashtags, pound signs. I don't get it. I Hey, that was 11 years ago. Is, part of me still doesn't get it. But from a marketing perspective, I get it a whole lot more than I do as a Twitter user perspective. But uh, hey, um, I was going to bring up, I, I watched the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix yes. a few years ago you will want to delete every social media account you have after you watch that. Uh, It's, it's it's scary what they do with our data.
1: Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, thank goodness there wasn't social media to that extent when I I was a kid. I mean, there would have been so much that I would have said that uh, I don't know. It just, who knows? I don't know if I, what I said was bad then, but you know, it's kind of like having Facebook when I was, you know, if I was 10, 12, 14, 15, 16 years old. No, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm, probably move on.
0: Running, I'm probably not running for federal office anytime soon. Right, I don't exactly. Know you might yeah. be on
1: some lists or something from things that you've you've said. But uh, I'll move on. And so uh, one of the things I was going to ask about is over-unders, but it's a different kind of over-under. It's a overachiever and underachievers. So, so far this year, I'm wondering, who do you think has um, been the most o- how about overrated this year, overrated or underachieved the most for the Cardinals this season?
0: Does Paul DeYoung count? He's not with the team anymore, so there's my well, first answer. But
1: is that it, it, it? Was that shocking? I don't think that's so underachieving. It was really,
0: right? shocking to some on Clark Street, but not to not to those of us out on Twitter Street, I guess.
1: Right, that's my point. So it, that doesn't really uh, fit. Um, to personally uh, to the underachievers that he is achieving is as anticipated to most of Cardinal Nation.
0: Well, so so let's let's talk about first. Maybe we'll start positive. I I think. You you you've gotta say that, at least from my perspective, one of the big overachievers this season has certainly been Adam Wainwright. Uh everybody's talking about the twilight of his career, you're talking about you know the last hurrah, so to speak, although he has not said he's going anywhere uh anytime soon, but you, you talk about a guy that is overachieving. I saw a a graph, it may have been on a Cardinal broadcast, that talked about his ERA post-35 from 35 years old to now has gone down every single season, including this year. Now, his win-loss record is not showing it right now, but his ERA certainly is. Uncle Charlie uh, is still getting it done.
1: Yeah, and Uh, that's one of the people that I think about as well, but then I'm also not too shocked about it either. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, he's – he's done that, but then it's kind of not shocking that he's turned into the ace because Jack Flaherty gets hurt, which is not shocking as well. And he does that. So my overachiever is Brendan Donovan. I think that the obvious of no, he was not even talked about as one of the options of coming up first, right? People talked about Gorman, 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 Gorman. When is he going to come up? When are they going to bring him up? What are they going to bring him up when they going to bring him up? And then all of a sudden uh, there's an injury or, and here and there, we need someone to play some second base and shortstop and, um, Brendan Donovan's like, wait, what? And then he didn't do very well, very, uh, quickly. Um, he didn't have a lot of opportunities early. And then all of a sudden we have him now and he's just off like wildfire and he's been awesome. So, uh, to me that he's so far has been the overachiever.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I, I don't, I don't think there's any, any question about that. Who, who are we talking about? I mean, I don't even think we knew that that was going to be on the radar for the Cardinals at, at the very early part of the season. Um, so certainly that is that has certainly been the case. Uh, I, I think it's it's kind of interesting to look at how many Cardinals we have out injured or otherwise not with the with the team that started the year, and it's only the first part of June. We're not we're not even to the halfway point of the season yet. And look at how different the roster makeup uh, is of the team at the major league level than where we started. That's it's pretty remarkable. But you, you also got to like the fact, even though the Cardinals. And Cardinal Nation has complained a lot about uh, Paul DeYoung at shortstop. You got to like the fact they did make a move. They did. They did do something, and I think maybe that move of DeYoung was a whole lot sooner than many people, including me, may have thought. The Cardinals would have waited a little longer uh, before making. Glad they did, though.
1: Uh, do you think that um, some of these moves, including the DeYoung one, that that Mike Schilt would have made?
0: Uh, do, do, here's the real question: Do I think Mike Schilt? or Ali Marmol, have any input on making those decisions. I I don't know. Uh, I I think a a lot of, and again, I, I think a lot of the decisions that are made on the roster level, are they going to allow the manager to have input and say, yes. Is it going to be what the manager wants? Maybe not every time. And maybe it's so easy that it's universally acceptable, but I think it's Mo calling the shots. I think Mo calls all the shots. Uh, regarding roster moves, uh, what the manager, Schilt, or Mar-o might might think about it probably is a little less irrelevant than, than what we might think.
1: Okay, so um, let's talk more on the underachieving side. So we talked about the overachieving, Brendan Donovan, Adam Wainwright, obviously. So the underachievers, who, besides Paul DeYoung, who do you think um, hasn't been up to par of what we expected coming into this season?
0: Okay, so let me preface this first by saying he is my favorite Cardinal player on the roster right now. May go down as my favorite Cardinal all time ever, Um, has been with the Cardinals forever, is certainly a Hall of Famer. Uh, but from a batting average perspective, Yadier Molina is a little bit underperforming. Where I where I thought he might be in a swan song type, type season, I expected to see him rise and elevate his game a little bit in this being the last year and and there's time left to to right the ship, but it's just not there uh, where I would like for it to be. And unfortunately, uh, I hate to say that because he's he's again one of my all time favorites.
1: Now, do you think that he he's playing less than you anticipated that he would?
0: I don't know. I expected there to be you know some slacking off in that department. Um, you know, I, I I want a fresh or Molina come yeah. postseason yeah. time. Um, so, but is that causing the issues with the batting average? Not right. me getting as many consistent reps. I think that's something you have to look at. However, uh, I, I would take a. "Quote unquote," declined Yadier Molina uh, in the postseason almost over almost anybody else at the catcher spot for the Cardinals come postseason time.
1: Yeah, the baseball intelligence, the things that come along with all of the catching. Like, I mean, his tag last night uh, on the Sunday Night Baseball, he nonchalantly takes that Brendan Donovan BB from right field and just lays it perfectly. Like, you know, I don't. I think you can. You know, block the plate accidentally there, which you can get that call moved on you. You can be too aggressive and and try and, and swipe tag very quickly and lose the ball. I mean, all of that. It was just very nonchalant. Here you go, I tagged you. They did a review, and he's like rolling his eyes, like, guys, I got this. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. yeah so uh,
0: what's that? I mean, one of the best, and the knowledge of the game and how to play the game, and it, it, it's it's just perfection to watch anytime he's out there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I rather have him up in most situations than, uh, Corey Dickerson right now, or, uh, di- you know, different guys at at the time. I'd rather, I'd rather have Yadier Molina up there, um, taking a good, at, I don't know. I won't say good at bat because a lot of times he'll swing on the first pitch, but, uh, taking
0: a, you know, Hey, I gotta argue with you on that. It, it has worked for him more times than it, it has not at the first pitch. So, you know, I, I like Molina at bats in clutch situations, even though the average isn't, yes. isn't as high as it once was.
1: If you're yes, can, kind of same, similar with Albert Pujols. You give me Albert Pujols or Yanni or Molina with runners in scoring position, second or third, uh, in a clutch situation. Yes, I'm taking them over most most of the guys. I mean, um, you can dig into all the stats, and Arenado doesn't hit well in that in that stats specific, um, you know, whatever that exact, uh, clutch stat is. It's a post seventh inning when in a tie game or um with tie game Come or down runs.
2: We,
0: we I researched I, this I know I really, can't remember really the, well in the Matt Holliday era. Come on now.
1: Yeah we did. We, then, yeah and and so Arnado doesn't hit well similarly that Matt Holiday doesn't in that realm of the clutch scenario. And you know that um he's hitting much better this year um in that situation than ever before. Um but um, so, that, you know, that's that's one thing that you, I think I can guarantee with, with Albert Pujols and Yanni Merlina coming in is expecting that one of them guys to be able to come in in a good spot you know, or hit into a double play. But they're going to make contact. Um, more times than not, they're not going to strike out. But we uh, got uh, someone else joining us. Let's bring up Josh Brown has joined us. Uh, he's, you know, a little busy today, so he couldn't join us the whole time, but look at him. So, Josh, we're talking about um, overachievers and underachievers so far in the season you have any uh, nice. of each?
2: Yeah, you know what? I was on Twitter for a minute while I was putting my daughter to bed. I heard you, Kyle, talking a little bit about Yachty. That, that's probably my top one that you think about outside of guys like Young, right, um, that have just overachieved the, the entire season. I think Yachty had like a week or two there where it seemed like, you know, he, he had well, it was starting to hit a little bit more. The average was going up. But, man, you know, I, I told you, Ryan, I think we might have texted about it some this weekend – it just really seems like this last week or two. I mean, he's always first pitch attacking, but it seems like he just swings at everything right now. I mean, everything. If it's like remotely close. And that makes it tough, man. I mean, I think I think it's just destroying his batting average right now. Um, and I don't know what that is. I don't know. What, I mean, obviously he cares, right? He's still – I think, I think it, it more so he seems more locked in still when there's runners in scoring position. But if he's leading off an inning or even if there's a runner on first, it almost seems like he, he's, like, kind of nonchalant up there at the plate. And I don't know if if that's just kind of where he's at right now or, or something weird like that. But I would say that's a big one. Um, obviously, Nolan in May probably, I think we would say, was, was an underachieving uh, – A month for him I mean you look at his career numbers it was probably the worst month of his career this past May and I think that gets overshadowed and lucky for him people don't talk about it because Goldschmidt was out of his mind in May right so So. exactly yeah and that what I would say overall is probably the most encouraging thing about where we're at right now half game behind the Brewers no Dylan Carlson Tyler O'Neill hasn't been himself the whole year Jack Flaherty Hasn't thrown one pitch on the mound for us yet. He looked great in his rehab start the other night. So you get those guys back, I think we're going to be looking in pretty good shape if they come back like we know they can be. I would say the other big underachieving guy would be Sosa for me. And uh, I, I knew the bat was going to go down this year because he's never profiled to be a big hitter like that. You know, he made he made a nice defensive play in the game last night to save a run for Wayno. But, man, two nights ago, missing third base. I mean, I saw that – my, you know, you, that's something you see in, in my 11-, 12-year-old daughter's softball league, right? Like, you can't, that can't happen. That just can't happen. And, and I think he's he's been tough for me to watch at the plate sometimes too. Now, I think his speed and his defense will still make him an all right bench bat. But, dude, Donovan might make him obsolete, right? I don't know if you guys have gotten into it yet, but Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, by the end of this week, I would imagine should be back. A couple rehab starts under their belt. They're going to be in the outfield, and Donovan's got to play, in my mind. You can't not play Donovan right now. So, the only other spot for him is either short and Tommy goes back to second, or let Donovan play second and Tommy short. And then you've got maybe Gorman, Yepes DHing, but they're going to want to give Albert still some starts against lefties. So, it's a good problem to have, right? But um, it's going to be interesting because I don't think you can sit Donovan right now. I think Cardinals Nation would riot. I, I would riot.
1: <laughs> what? What would, uh, what's it done that it deserves any extra time? Like I was shocked no. to see him in lineup last night on Sunday night baseball. He's, he missed his third base to lose the, you know, to, to would have, you know, taken the lead in the, whatever I mean, ninth the or 10th. Oh, yeah. Almost cost the game. And then they give him the start the next day. It's like, oh, you sucked it up, but here you go. You get to start another day. You, you know, he has no options left. Sosa doesn't. So only other options with him is to, is to cut him. And I'll, I don't i do not think that that will happen. Uh, but. You make a good point of where where are you going to have moves? Where can you move guys? I think, you know, Yepez has cooled off a lot. You could see him going down. I think obviously Newbar um, is an option. To but go he had a big,
2: big game-winning hit last he night, did. you know, and he, he is attached to Albert's hip. I don't know if you heard that yeah. on ESPN. Albert had dinner with he and his fiance. They were talking, and Albert uh, said something like, you know, he's going to break all my records. And, right. and his wife or his fiance laughed. And Juan's like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I'm – like, Albert's high on him. Now, probably being attached at his hip, you know, and, and constantly in his ears, probably, you know, Albert's clearly taking a liking to him. But, yeah, man, I, I don't know what you do. And, and you know, Sosa starting last night, I, I think Ollie's only reasoning for that was that there was a lefty on the mound, and they really haven't given Gorman, you know, a shot against lefty starters. And then they let him come in there and hit against a lefty <laughs> with the game on the line last night, right? Like, good luck. This is your first chance we've given you. And so they, they need to start letting Gorman take some at-bats, I think, against lefty starters and really see what he can do. His numbers, I don't think, have been awful. Um, you know, we can we can shoot Kyle Reese a message or a Twitter, you know, tag him on Twitter to see. I haven't checked his splits. But, I mean, if you're really profiling him as, as you know, the starting second baseman or starting DH of the future for us, he's going to have to start starting against some lefties. I mean, he's going to have to.
0: Hey,
1: yeah. Well, they he's, talked start, about – sorry – they talked about bringing him, bringing him up to making – he's going to be an everyday player. He's going to be a, a player, right. you know, and there's not many lefties that uh, pitch against us, but why is he not in there? I mean, I don't understand, like, he's, if he's the guy, let's make him the guy and let's solidify the second base and, and put him in there every day. I, I don't really understand that uh, part of it, but go ahead, Kyle.
0: I was just going to say, I don't know what it is about missing third base, but my uh, Wabash Valley college warriors baseball team here was playing in the junior college world series this week. Uh, and we had a runner miss third and was uh, appealing out on that. So I, I don't know. It's the week to the week to miss third base, the warriors finished fourth. So good job, WVC. Good, good finish there. But uh, Hey, you, you also don't want the guy sitting on the bench for the next two weeks thinking, man, the last thing I did was, was miss third base. I'm never playing again. So you know, they, they often say run him right back out there and give him another chance. So I get the start in essence, especially when you talk about the left handed pitching, but uh nonetheless, I think you're right. I think he's he's a guy that's gotta be sitting on the hot seat a little bit here.
1: Did anyone ever ask um Sosa about that? I didn't didn't see any post game, I didn't hear, you know, anything about it. Was anything brought up um about the play? Did you guys know?
2: So. I I don't. I, I didn't read much of the, the usually I read Gold's, you know, post game stories. Um I I didn't wind up reading it that night. I'm sure it kind of gotten glazed over since they came back and won, thankfully. <laughs> right. It's not a it's um, not
1: magnified because of the actual winning of the game. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But no, I don't know if you got asked about it. Um, yeah, this Cup series was a weird one, man. I mean, you talk about Donovan again. Without him, what we win maybe one game. That blowout win. Yeah. I mean if if not for him. I mean, who's that big in this series? And and he's done it since he's been up. I mean, the guy just—I would say he, Goldschmidt, and probably Albert are giving you like the best at bats right now in terms of like pitches seen. Uh, Nolan Gorman has surprised me honestly. He, he's taken a lot of good at bats. He, I mean, he's had a couple games where he struck out a few times, but he's he's you know having good at bats, fouling off pitches. He did it the other night. It was he fouled off like nine pitches before he had? What would have been the go-ahead RBI that you know went through the other side of the infield that was so missed a bag? So um, it's been encouraging to see the young guys. I mean, you know, Goldschmidt obviously has carried the offense, but you know, guys like Donovan, Yepes, when he first came up. I mean, they've really, they've really carried this team with Carlson and, and O'Neill on the uh, the injured list.
0: Are we approaching a time that the Cardinals are going to have to make a decision about which one of these guys are we going to sh- to shop for a, p- a pitcher? Uh, I-, I think that is, that is fastly coming. Uh, you know, some, some things with the Cardinals never change. It always seems like we have pitchers getting hurt, getting injured early in the season. And then we don't really seem to have much of a, much of an answer to what we're going to do when that kind of thing happens. Uh, fortunately with with Flaherty, we're getting him back and, and we're, we're still right in the mix of, of the division race. But, uh, you know, what are we going to do? And with a surplus of offense, a surplus of fielders, what are we going to do uh, to try and upgrade as I think we need to upgrade before we get into that pennant stretch?
1: It's funny you say that. Remember, Dosh talking about adding a having a sixer um, before the season, like let's go sign someone else. And people laughed at that to go sign someone else. Like, hello, have you ever seen Cardinals baseball? Someone will get hurt. The pitcher will not pitch at some point this season. Little did we know that Jack Fleury wouldn't throw a single pitch so far. And then that Matts would go down and, you know, there were throwing hicks out there. Then he goes down. Uh, you know, we all these issues. If we had a sixth starter, they would be right there pitching. Every five days, right now, like we anticipated. But yes, I think there has to be a move. I don't think it necessarily still needs to be any of these top prospects because um, relievers, it depends on what you're, it depends on what you're going after. Are you going for a starter uh, like Montez? Or are you going for a reliever, which you can get very inexpensively? And I think you can get for other low level uh, prospects. Um, but um, I mean, I guess we can turn that part of the question is, you know, should they be going after starting pitching? Or should they be going after relievers? Because starting pitching, again, in theory, Jack Flaherty, who was perfect last night, three innings, uh, no hits, no walks, uh, struck out, I'm not sure, a couple, few, touched 98, I think, on the gun, uh, looked great. And they're going to stretch him out, only 330 pitches, and they're going to keep stretching him out. And Matt's is uh, coming back soon as well. So in theory, you have all those guys back in there. Do you really need another starter? Or, again, do you just load up and move? Uh, you know, if you're too full, like Dakota Hudson to the bullpen, if, you, if you're if you too full in the starting rotation.
2: Yeah, well, I, I would say for me, I mean, I think Montes is still the guy you've got to go after. I mean, he, he's having a great year, kind of quietly, right, because the athletics are not – they're not good this year. Um, but, you know, 12, 12 games, um, 12 starts, 70 innings pitched, got 78 Ks, Uh Let's see here. He's only given up eight home runs. I mean, he he's looked really good. He's looked really good this year, 306 ERA. Um, and you, you would have him not only this season but next season. So you talk about in terms of trade, might take a little bit of a higher-end prospect to get a guy like that. But I think the only place you could trade from right now is, it seems like, is the outfield. I mean, that's kind of where the surplus is in our prospects right now, right? We've got – uh, the uh, minor league player of the month for us was Alec Burleson, another hard hitting, you know, good left-handed hitting outfielder that hasn't got a chance yet. There might not be room for him. So somebody like him, somebody like Newbar, Sosa, you mix in a pitching prospect, it, it's going to take a package like that to get Montes. And I think it would be worth it because you talk about who might be bumped out of the rotation. In my mind, Jordan Hicks is the odd man out. I, think that, I don't think that experiment has worked this year. I love his stuff. You can't argue that the arm is electric. He's dialed it back and still throwing 99, right? That's exciting. His stuff's got crazy movement. He he just doesn't seem like he profiles as a starter. He, the walk rate's too high. His control's not there. He seems like that prime eighth, ninth inning guy, like he was. And, and we've seen him be great in that role. Uh, I think you leave Hudson where he's at, man. I think you know Hudson's ERA is under three now. As, as you know, tough as, as situations as he gets himself in sometimes, another guy that can have a high walk rate. Unlike, unlike Hicks, he can get that ground ball double play in an instant, and he's done it, and he's gotten out of jam. So to his credit, ERA is under three for him. He looked a lot better out his last start. His pace was better. That's the toughest thing for me with Hudson. Uh, Dakota Hudson specifically and, and Giovanni Gallegos need to start getting on the mound and throwing the ball. It is like watching paint dry, watching those two guys pitch sometimes. They need to watch Miles Michaels' video, get up there and throw the ball. Uh, and, and Hudson to his credit looked a lot better. His pace is better. So I would say you go after Montas. I think I think uh I think Jordan Hicks would be the odd man out of the rotation. I think you would throw him back into the bullpen where, where he would help out a lot more because bullpen's been taxed. We saw it last night, Gallego's or uh, Cabrera, fantastic <laughs> job. C- career high, what, fifty something pitches in four innings? Four innings. He's never yeah. done it. Yeah, and you know, we talked about a little bit of the hypocrisy of how they kind of held Jordan Hicks's hand and, oh no we can't let him go a pitch past 35 this is the second start we can't let him go a pitch past 45 and then Cabrera has never done it and he gets out there and throws had a had a better start in outing than any of probably of Jordan Hicks actual starts the first time trying it out so I think the bullpen's going to need some help I think I think you move Jordan Hicks there I think that would help out a lot Matthew Libertor, I think, has probably shown he needs some more time in Memphis. So, for me, I think they still need to go after like a, like a prime starter like Montus and actually try to, try to shore up the, the rotation with Jack. I think if you go out and make that trade with Jack coming back, man, you, Flaherty, Montes, Wainwright, and Michaelis in a five-game series, I would feel really good about that. Well, what do you think about Zach
1: Thompson? Go ahead. go ahead. Sorry. So he, he looked, Thompson, he looked, he looked awesome. Now he went to UK, which you know, as an IU fan, eh, you know. Um, <laughs> but he he grew up a Cubs fan as well. Um, they said. On Didn't the they say
2: he's an Indiana guy though? He's from Indiana, right? I yeah, yeah I, don't,
1: I don't know if he's from Indiana. I know he went to UK, played baseball in UK, and I know he's, he grew up a Cubs fan. I don't know where he actually's from. Um, okay, but. He looked great, and you know they we talked about them possibly using him as the starter on one of the starters on Saturday. Whenever they went with Oviedo and Palante, Um, they went with those two guys instead of Thompson. But Thompson was used on Friday, I do believe, um, and he looked awesome in in those times. Now, if they do or don't make a move, what's happening with Zach Thompson? Now he's on the forty man. He's out there. Are we going to use him in the bullpen, or are we going to move him up as a starter, or? You just kind of play it by ear and see if there's another injury type situation. I mean, because, you know, you talk about trading for Montez, but you, you have Zach Thompson that's right there that could be ready to go. And he looked better than Libertor has the entire time. I mean, his, his pitches were faster. You know, he, he touched in the high 90s more often. His location was better. He, he just looked, you know, it was obviously a very small sample size, but he looked better uh, overall than, than Libby did um, in his three starts so far. So, you know, what do you do with him?
2: Well, for me, I would say I think maybe he's earned a chance to get a start. If, if they come up with another doubleheader or a rainout, I think you give him a chance to, to you know, get a start and see what he can do. But I would almost leave him in the bullpen, you know, leave him kind of like a Alex Reyes or Carlos Martinez, their first, you know, first year that they got called up, it was in the bullpen. Some high leverage situations, hard throwers. He's a guy whose velocities jumped up a lot this year. He's always had a walk rate problem, but it's a career low. It's at two this year, which is really good. Uh, his strikeout rate's over 11, 11.0, which is great. So he's got strikeout stuff. Him and Cabrera is the two lefties in the bullpen might not be too shabby. Now who does that bump out? Probably TJ McFarlane. If TJ McFarlane keeps pitching the way that he has, I don't think he can I don't think you can keep him on the roster. He's not getting ground balls. The sinkers eighty eight right down the middle. Let a guy like Thompson, a young guy who's wanting to prove himself, like and is fired up, high velocity like Cabrera, give him a chance in the bullpen. That's that that'd be what I would do. I just Rangel looked up Martin. Zach Thompson.
1: I this just looked up guy. Zach
2: right? Selma, Indiana, by the way. He, guess guess
1: whose high school he also went to? Former Cardinal. They went to the same high school Wapahani mm-hmm. High School, Jeremy Hazelbaker. And Zach nice Thompson went to legend. the same yeah, Wapahani High School, just uh, up north, just near uh, Muncie, Indiana uh that way. Wapahani, I remember when Jeremy Hazelbaker came on, my father-in-law, who's they're from Muncie, was sending me paper clippings, newspaper clippings of of Jeremy Hazelbaker's news as he, you know, was, you know, killing it for a few months uh in St. Louis. But Wapahani High School, Zach Thompson, I had no idea he was from Indiana and I had no idea he went to Wapahani, which is <laughs> hilarious. Uh but I think they're way different ages. Uh, because I think Hazelbaker's in his late mid to late thirties now, I think. But uh I, down no idea.
0: In, uh, area, I think now he's old Baker, by the way, he's spotted around here a lot of times hanging out with his in-laws. I think yeah. in, in my, yeah,
1: Jeremy, was. Jeremy, he oh, Baker right. married a girl from Southern Illinois, uh, a Jersey <laughs> chaser liked to go to Cardinals games and, and hollered at him at games and then married a girl from near Kyle. So a uh, very strange. And, sort yeah. Hey, strange.
2: back to pitching, back
0: <laughs> to pitching real quick. So a couple of things. Do you do, do we think that the effects of, of Dave Duncan, are still present in Arizona. What did Arizona do here this week? Uh, they signed uh, Dallas Keiko to a minor league deal. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of thought the Dallas Keuchel begins. I kind of thought that might be a decent move to take a flyer on, minor league deal, bring him in, see if we can't work him out a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know. That- so that's part of the problem.
1: I did think that Dallas Keuchel made a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Um, you know, a JA Happ type signing. A um, you know, it just to me it made sense. I don't know. Um, there's different ways to think about it of, you know, he's he's past his prime, he's old, but with the same thing with John Lester and JA Happ last year and it worked pretty well. He's a lefty starter, which we don't have a lot of uh, lefty arms out there. I th- I thought it made a lot of sense. Now, I did see a rumor today that Madison Bumgarner and the Cardinals are connected for a trade. Um, but it's from, I think one of those Twitter handles that has like an 18 year old running it. So I don't know how true, uh, that is. <laughs> I haven't been able to check into it on it very much. I saw it just earlier today. Um, I'm not sure, you know, is it, it's more the Cardinals mo, mo being Mo to mm-hmm. go after an old expired guy and try and get some ex- extra life out of him. That is, um, to, you know, to go and get Montez type guy. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, you, you know, it, does that make do you think that's what's more likely to happen? The Cardinals trade for a Montez type, or they trade and go after and Bumgardner type. I mean, which one do you think is? Oh, more likely you know, to you know that,
0: that you know that that's where that's going to go. Uh, first and foremost, if there's an old guy that isn't doing very well that they think they can get for cheap, that's where we're headed. But uh, you know, I like the the, the concept of the Montez type starter, and depending on what we have to give up to get there. I, I think that's another big question to that is, you know, what are they going to ask for in return? And, and are we willing to, to commit that uh, kind of investment? You know, uh, Mo is still kind of a little butthurt over the fact that we gave up some prospects that kind of did, did some good things here as of late. So, uh, you know, I think we got to be careful about that. Uh, moving forward, but yeah, I, I think I I, lo- I have loved the idea of six starters since we talked about it way back when, and and still would love to get there, uh, knowing that six may eventually equal five.
2: Yeah, I, Bumgarner's a guy that shouldn't cost you much to get in a trade. I think he's well, he's on like the last year of his deal with the Diamondbacks, I believe. Does um, he have any no trades or anything? You know, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he did.
1: Right, uh, as he a veteran-type like right, signing. That would
2: give that to. Yeah. Right. He seems like a guy that they would give that to. But, you know, he's 2-4 and four this year. Uh, 3-3-1 ERA, though. Bounce-back season. He's looked better. He does not strike people out as much anymore. He's only got 37 Ks and 54 innings. Um, but, but he's looked I mean, actually really solid this year. Right. he's a guy kind of like wainwright kind of like john lester right kind of a bull, like i could see him doing well with us kind of a bulldog on the mound so i wouldn't mind a trade like that no, i wouldn't hate that at all i mean look what we did with jay half and john lester i mean you know bumgarner could easily do the same thing and i think in terms of getting bullpen help it's gonna if we if we're trading for bullpen help it's probably going to be the kind of, or kind of moves we made last year kind of those bargain bin yeah. guys maybe that catch fire
1: I just pulled up uh, his contract. Um, this was the, the story from whenever it came out. The Madison Bomber signs five-year, eighty-five million dollars contract that includes a full no-trade. Um, so,
2: yeah, so, so he's got two
0: years left on his deal. Does yours say full no-trade? Mine says limited no-trade. Um, made up of a five-team no-trade list. But oh, it could that, be. That,
2: well, that's interesting. Well, Do I'm we know sure the Cardinals aren't on that because he. And I Mike don't know. Are like they're really good. They, they're really good, they, good friends.
1: Yeah, so did, Kyle, does what looked up? Do they have a any list of who's on that no trade? Uh,
0: the the headline article says Bumgarner's no trade list is an act of genius. So I, I'm reading, <laughs> how to try, to, try to get
2: there. Um, it's probably like the Yankees and <laughs> teams he doesn't like. No, I
1: mean right. you would. I would be. Wouldn't you be more apt to put it into teams that you know are terrible, like the Marlins or something like that? Like you're like, I'm not going oh, to. go surely, to
2: these yeah. teams. Oh well, here, here
1: you know we,
0: we can stop talking because according to Ken Rosenthal tweet, Madison Bumgarner's eight team no trade list, per sources: Braves, eight. Red Sox, yeah. Cubs, Astros, Brewers, Yankees, Phillies, Cardinals.
1: That is went from today. That
0: or Bumgarner chose teams strategically. A list comprised solely of contenders that might want to acquire him, uh, not teams he wanted to avoid.
1: What is that, from, is that tweet from?
0: is that tweet from today
1: or or is that from no, this, old?
0: Is, this is this is old tweet
1: okay so i just know if that was I any think. news because i don't know if that was any news that came out today about because there were some links to people talking about the cardinals were this interested was a
0: 2019 so. tweet so there okay. you
1: go yeah so you know if if we're on that no trade um then you know i'm shocked you know uh, because so his
0: list of eight teams his list of eight teams were chosen because they were the teams he thought might want to go get him and he didn't want to go in
1: 2019 or what 2018 whenever he signed whatever he signed him. Yeah. yeah yeah well yeah well in 2019 it the sounds Carlos like he just wants yeah. to stay on
2: the west coast
1: yeah no midwest That's what we're
2: exactly yeah it sounds like he just wants to stay on the west coast maybe
1: or you know he's open to Florida and warm weather, California warm weather. Maybe it's all about uh, he's retirement age. He's up that way. He's ready just to to keep it uh, close. Well, I don't want to go too long, but I will. Let's talk about um, let's talk about the Cardinals and the Cubs and and actually what happened uh, this past weekend. A little bit about um, the game itself. So I texted I think Kyle about this that somehow we won the series and I felt underwhelmed. I felt like there was more that we we could have done um, and I felt a little left out. Like what happened? You know? So did you guys feel that way? Or was that just me or, or was that, you know, should we have beaten them more than three games?
0: Hey, so my, my my response to you was, Hey, come on now. We just won a series at Wrigley field, uh, a five game series, no less. The umpires were atrocious except for the last day. Uh, I mean, yay. We we won a five-game series. I don't care if they're the worst team on the planet. It's like the World Series. When they play us, they play up to whatever level of hype they work up themselves into the dugout there at Wrigley. So, you know, all things strange, weird, and stupid happen at Wrigley Field. And and luckily, we survived with no injuries. Nobody got hurt that I'm aware of. Uh, and we won the series. Survive and advance. Anytime you go into the, that ballpark, uh, hey, I'm thrilled with a with a three games to two win of that series.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm glad we won the series, but it, it it did seem a little underwhelming. I think what it was for me, and it seemed like this last year, you know, um, Goldschmidt and Arenado haven't really been the big guys th- that I've noticed yet in the few years they've been with us to like torch the Cubs that you would think. Would, and they had a lot of chances in this series. Now, there was that second game where, you know, I mean, everybody was in on, the, you know, on, on scoring and the home runs, and um, Goldschmidt had the one that gave us the lead. And so it's not that they haven't done enough, but it just seemed like, I think for me what was worrisome is, you know, a lot of these Cubs starters are not very good at all. And we just didn't do much against them. And that lefty last night had an ERA that was, you know, bordering on five. And I mean, gosh, he was forty-something pitches through four innings. I mean, we just and normally we've hit you know lefties really well this year, so that was a little alarming for me. But I mean, I would agree with you, Kyle. It seems like every single year, the games against the Cubs are always close. They're always competitive. Um, you know, these te- the players know these rivalries, especially this Cubs team this year. They know they're not going to be great, so they see the Cardinals come in. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll show them. You know, especially these young guys that got called up, they want to do something. Sunday Night Baseball and ESPN, they, they want to make some noise. And the games are always close. And I don't know if it's just the hype of the crowd. I mean, it didn't seem like there were huge crowds there this weekend, you know, the, the, the stand shots. But they, it was still wriggly. Still I – mean, I saw a lot of red in the stands too. You know, when we went last year, Ryan, during the streak, a lot of red in the stands. So there was a lot of Cardinals fans there. So it's just always that kind of rivalry. It seems like that there's always close games. But, yeah, I'm just yeah. – I come away from this weekend thank, thankful that Brandon Donovan showed up in the big situations. No kidding. Or else it could have been a it could have been a lot worse.
1: Well, I think I just think that the Cubs are on pace to lose ninety five games this season. The Cardinals are on pace to win ninety ish, ninety three ish games this season. I, I just feel like you. you sh- could go in there taking up more out of it than that, when, especially with rookie pitchers you're going against, guys you n- never heard of. Lefty pitchers you're going against at different times, and they didn't really hit them very well either. So I, I just feel like there was a lot um, that didn't happen exactly. If Brendan Donovan doesn't show up, you know we're talking about losing four games. Enough that at Wrigley, which is a lot bigger deal, obviously than we would be. We'd be singing a much different tune, but. I want to bring up the other thing about the Cubs is there was a report out there. Well, there's a nice story that uh, Josh shared with me that I, I saw last night as well, but about how bad their ownership is and how Cardinals should be thankful for what we have. But there was a story that uh, Bob Nightingale said today, he guarantees Chicago Cubs will sign either Xander Bogarts, Carlos Schreiber, or Trey Turner in the offseason. What do you say?
2: I, go for it, man. Burn, burn your, burn your wallet with one of those players. It's, it's going to be like the Tigers with Javier Baez. It's not going to be near enough, you know. And that Tigers team, I, I would say is, is several years ahead of the Cubs. I think right now. I mean, they're a pretty com- competitive team as is, but they're going to be probably third or so in that division. So uh, it's even if they do that, I, I don't think we're going to be sweating it too much. <laughs> I'm not going to be sweating it too much. Stroman, I love, by the way. That we just torched Strowman this yeah. weekend. Nine earned yeah. runs. On I couldn't tweet at court. him about
1: He blocked me, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my point to that is, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were thinking um, we need to trade for a shortstop. Xander Bogarts being you know, the ideal apart person at that time because they weren't calling up Gorman. They weren't hitting. They're needing another bat. They being the St. Louis car, need another bat. They need to drive in runs. They need to do something. Let's look at Xander Bogarts, who's. Has a expiring contract. The Boston Sox are not playing very well, et cetera. Boston now is now playing much better. They're not to 500, I don't think. They were eight to 10 games under at that time. I think they're now close to 500. They're half,
2: they're half game Half game ahead of the Angels now for a wild card, that third wild card. Yeah. Start. Angels have lost Angels the 11. Have lost trade. Trade. Yeah. 11 which straight. is, they,
1: they were like 28 and 18 or something like that. And now they've lost 11 the straight. Um, so, Oh, they're in the picture now, so I think the Xander Bogart stuff Cardinals or any other team related for a trade is probably unlikely at this point, if as long as the Boston Red Sox continue uh to play well. But do the Cardinals still look at a shortstop this offseason? You know, so I talked about the Cubs and those three guys, and obviously it's another good shortstop um class for the for free agents. Do the Cardinals still think about it? Because You know, Gorman is obviously not a second baseman. I can't imagine him even playing third base where he was supposed to be coming up. You know, I would like to see that sometime, too, to see if he's actually a good defensive third baseman. But, you know, should he be a DH and should we still be talking about Tommy at second and still going out to get a free agent shortstop next year?
0: Boy, I, I tell you, I, I I think you always look. I think you always check to see what's out there. Um, and I think it really depends on on where the next few months go. How comfortable are we with what we have? Um, do we have somebody that can feel that position well um, or not? Uh, we, we're coming off the uh, highs and lows of the uh, Paul DeYoung experiment. And from what we're seeing out of him, even at the lower levels of Cardinal baseball, I'm not sure when he'll be back. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it, it's necessarily something that I can answer right now. I don't know if I have a feel one way or the other, other than to say that I think you always have to take a look.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, um, I think a big factor into this probably in the next few months is going to be: all right, is Brendan Donovan? Is this a Bo Hart or a Jeremy Hazel Baker thing, or is this is he for real? You know, can he hit for high average like this? Can he continue to have these these Matt Carpenter, prime Matt Carpenter-esque, you know, two-strike approach, full count, seeing a lot of pitches. Is this the type of player that he is? Because if he is, I mean, he's shown that he's You're talking about, pretty... you're talking about Brendan Donovan? I'm talking about Donovan. I'm, yeah. talking about, I'm talking about Donovan mainly in terms of playing the second base position and letting yeah. Tommy stay at shortstop. Because yeah. Donovan's proved, I mean, outfield, left field, right field, third base, second base – I mean, he made a fantastic play the other day at second base, going out to the outfield, ranging to his left. He caught that pop fly, and they tried to tag from third, and that got us out of the inning. He threw a bullet home for the double play, and then he had to throw the other night. On two, um, he had two assists in the same head. game. Base hit from right field that saved the game. So I mean, yeah. he he's looked really good defensively. So if he's the hitter and defender, you think he can be, then maybe they stick with you know him and him and Tommy. And like you said, they let Gorman DH, but you know, there's times, I still don't think we've seen enough of Gorman at second base to see how he could be defensively. You know, there was one play the other night where he ranged to his right, had to throw across his body. It skipped three times. You know, it was a play that Tommy yeah, I mean, probably makes, you know, that, and that's, a, that that throws harder than it looks, uh, but he couldn't get it there. Now I know he's had some back issues, so you don't know if that's part of it the stiff back and stuff, but. If they really think he's the second baseman of the future, though, and they're willing to compromise a little bit on the defense for his bat, I like that idea just because I think a guy like Yepes, maybe Alec Burleson, or you go sign an actual legit lefty bat outside of Corey Dickerson, which hasn't worked this year, and maybe you let Yepes be kind of the main DH like, um, for next season. you got Gorman at second. You've got options, though. It seems like Brendan Donovan's kind of turning what – into what I thought Tommy was going to be for us, more that Ben Zobris kind of Swiss Army knife type player. Uh, Donovan seems like he he's that guy. So I think it's going to depend a lot on what he does. Um, and then the other factor of this is, I mean, what are they going to do with Paul Dion, Right? I mean, he's had a way better week. You know, he's hit he hit four home runs over the weekend in a three game series. I mean, I think a lot of us at this point are like, great, build up the trade value, <laughs> find a way, find a way to trade him for bullpen help or something. I don't think he's the answer, obviously, but. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot of factors, but I think I think Donovan's gonna be a key factor of it um, in terms of okay if they think he can play second and, and be a defensive person there to help, will that let them keep Tommy at short? Because just like I told you, I think most of us would agree, Tommy has looked perfectly fine at shortstop. He's made some Gold Glove plays at shortstop. Wouldn't you? would you? I mean, would, would you guys agree with that?
1: I'll turn uh, that's winter podcast into a, a stay in account for Tommy Edmond. I mean, I'm mean, Tommy Edmond. I have been a big fan of Tommy since he came the day he came up and started hitting doubles and plays that he makes all over the field. And everyone dogged on Tommy Edmond last year, and he did so much for the team last year. And the I mean, I'm a big Tommy Edmond fan, and he's proving exactly why they let Colton Wong go to go for, t- everyone thought it was the money. I mean, the money is probably good, you know, $10 million for Wong and five hundred grand or whatever it was for Tommy at the time. I mean, it makes Mo look really, really smart because Tommy is the man. And, yes, Tommy, I think, can make, I don't know how many, how many uh, innings he needs to play at both positions, but can he win gold glove at both? I mean, yeah. I think, honestly, he, he has enough uh, range to play shortstop, no problem. I think he's proven that. His arm is lacking a little bit compared to elite shortstops, but he can still make rangey plays and, and, you know, get the ball to second as for double plays and all those things. I think Tommy can win. A, if, I would not be shocked. Tommy Edmond would win a gold glove in the next couple of years. at shortstop would not be shocking whatsoever to me. I, yeah.
0: I, I agree. I think he's, he's probably, you know, I, I told you Molina is my favorite Cardinal player. He's going to retire this year. So that's that there's going to be an opening at the top of the list for my next, new favorite Cardinal player. And I think Tommy Edmond may just fill that role. He he does everything you ask him to do. He does it well. He plays the outfield. I'm pretty sure he could pitch or catch if needed. Um, <laughs> you know, he just does it all. Uh, a, a, a consistent guy at the plate, which is something that I think is really hard to find these days. Uh, and there is not anything not to like about Tommy Edmond. I agree. I, I think, uh, you know, you, you want to talk about, any sort of a defensive award, I don't care where you put him on the field, as long as you let him play there consistently, I think he makes the play
2: and, and, and could contend for that gold glove. And look, I'll just say this to end the shortstop, the second base stuff. If Johnny Peralta can play shortstop for two years <laughs> for us, Tommy Edmund can play shortstop. If Matt Carpenter can play second base, Nolan Gorman can play second. People forget because Matt, prime years, broke Stan Musel's double record, on base percentage through the roof was not good defensively at second. He just wasn't. Now there there was times where he was average. He made the plays that came to him every time. He got he got much better at turning double plays, but he was never making diamond plays. He was never, you know, high in defensive run saves. He was always negative in that category. Actually, but you were willing to live with that because of his bat. And if that's the type of guy Gorman can be. And they think that's what he is with his power. I think he could. He, I think he could be average defensively. And again, Tommy, I think is already shown he can be above average at shortstop. So, I have no problem with those guys there. And, and yeah, look, you know, my, my buddy, one of my best friends, uh, big Tommy, Tommy Edman fan as well, and he's been on me all year because I've been saying, oh, he's, he might need, need to be the Ben Zobrist type guy, the Swiss Army knife. Look, Tommy's proven he should be the star. He's proven he should be the leadoff man too, which is great to see this year with how much more he's walking. So. No complaints from me, from Tommy anymore. And I think we're, I think we're set either shortstop or second base for him for, for a long time. So.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, there's a 15 game stretch. I do believe uh, against some four teams being the Cubs, the Pirates and the Reds. We're in the middle of that stretch. Now we take a break from that 15 and play the Rays for three games. I do believe starting tomorrow night and the, uh, Uh, brewers have a tough schedule in that i don't think listen i knock on wood i don't think the cardinals are going to have a june like they did in 2021 the schedule does not doesn't seem to allow that to happen um so my thought is hopefully the brewers who have a very tough schedule in june um can be able to have a june like the cardinals did in 2021 a little role reversal for that and the cardinals can be able to take the lead in the central and be able to uh open up a lead i think is is very possible by the end of the month that the cardinals are talking about a a three-four game lead uh, instead of being down three-four like we were just a few days ago. Um, do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, you know, I only wanted to go like thirty minutes, and here we are again, in almost an hour. Just what I always do. <laughs> this is
2: this is what we do. Yeah. No, I was just looking at the schedule with you. I agree. Ten of our next seventeen is Reds, Pirates, and the Cubs again. So sprinkled in there, yeah. like you said, three games against the Rays. We do play three against Boston starting the seventeenth. I'll be there. Another big four game. Yeah, nice. Nice. Oh yeah, Another we're going to we're gonna go and check series. it out. Dude, that's be is awesome. not playing they're great.
1: Awesome. But Boston is, you know, they I mean, they're playing better than they were, right? They're obviously playing they're better playing than playing 500
2: they were. ball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're not they're I don't know. Ball. Not the Mets, they're not the Dodgers, they're not the Yankees right now. They're not they're not those teams that we should be worried about. We should uh, go in and be able to take three games, uh, you know, two games out of out of that. We, we've only lost three series this year so far. Two against the Mets, one against the obviously the Orioles. Um, So, you know, those are those that should be what we expect. And the rated good. And so, you know, you'd be happy with getting two down there. But I don't think, you know, that would just be a a bonus to be able to do that. So, Kyle, you have anything else to add? Yeah.
0: Hey, just the last thing. I I don't know that I was ever really a Manny Machado fan until today. Uh, Did you see the article that uh, he is now in an interview said uh, he's wondering where all of the. the recognitions are going to come for Pujols and Molina at major league ballparks uh, around the country as they make their last uh, as they make their last visits there. Um, he said he, he wondered why teams aren't giving them the farewell tour. He said, "I quote, I'll tell you right now." Albert has been the best player in our generation to ever play this game and to see him doing things he's doing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's freaking special that St. Louis gave him an opportunity to come back and finish off his career. Um, and so he was kind of calling out teams for for no farewell tour stops. There have been a few along the way, uh, and maybe we'll see some more. Maybe you'll even see one in Boston when uh, when you're there, uh, because I, I think it's time, I think it's due, and, and I think we'll start to see that as, as the season uh, gets to the halfway point and beyond, especially as the Cardinals start making their last stops at, at places for those guys.
2: This was going to say. Well, you know, uh, that, that's got to be what it is, like the last stops, right? Because the Giants, I know, had a video. They did something because uh, I don't think we're going back there for a while. Boston, obviously, we're only going there once. The Rays, it'll be interesting to see when we go there this week because that's the only time we're going there to see them. So, you know, maybe teams like the Reds, the Cubs, they know we're coming back. Surely that last month of the season, second to last. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't do something. I agree with you, though, there, Kyle. That's a great quote from Manny. I, I've never had a problem with him. I like the way he plays. I know people, he gets kind of a bad rep for some of the, you know, stepping on people's hands and stuff like that, running down to first and the plays he's made. But, dude, I mean, he's he's a heck of a player. And he's you talk about another guy, Padres would be well out of the race of that division not for him this year.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, hey, uh, you let know, me add that I, to it real quick. a uh, Derek Gould article about uh, Manny's comment uh, just kind of struck me funny because I like Derek Gould's writing. It says, quote, it's kind of, and you know, he said the S word, but uh, Derek, to be politically correct, took that out of the direct quote and put in parentheses, no joke, bovine dung. So there you go. <laughs> I up, didn't crazy. hear I
1: didn't read that I didn't read that story. I didn't didn't know that. In and, and I don't know if, if it's me or if it's these teams. Maybe they don't believe it. I'm not all three of <laughs> the guys are not coming back next year. I seriously am not convinced that, that they're actually leaving. I don't if, if Wainwright, who is you know on gonna do, he says, Yeah, I'm gonna come back another year and he goes, Hey Yati, I would really like you to be my pitcher. You think Yachty says no? And if Yachty and Waino comes back no. and like, come on, Pool, do it again. You think Pool? now? And he's, he's a few short of 700. I'm not convinced that all three of them aren't aren't done. I'm not convinced. And so maybe all no, these teams Wayno's, aren't either.
2: Bueno's going to be the X Factor. And look, he better be back. Is he A's under three? We can't we can't <laughs> win without him. He's the ace of the club. We need him. Yeah. 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 He's the ace of the club. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, the yeah. The club. yeah I guarantee he convinced Yadi to come back. Um, and Yadi would Albert, get Puels like to come said, back. Yeah. Yeah. Albert, like you said, man, if he's, if he's even like eight, nine, 10 away, why, why not? Why not try to go for 700? I mean, the the only thing I could think of is Albert, maybe not wanting to go back on his word. I could see him doing that because he's, he's, he's that type of player, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I I hope for sure that Wainwright comes back. I hope for sure that he comes back.
1: But I've seen a lot of things talk about me taking some of his, at bats away from other guys, but I I don't see him taking any. If we're if next year like, he comes back and he's strictly going against lefties, he's not taking bats away from guys unless it's like Juan Yappas type guys, and and I think Juan, as we've seen, would probably say, "Yes, yeah, please come back and let's let me let you mentor me some more. Like let me be great, help me be great." So again, I'm not convinced. That they're done, all three of them. Not a one of them. I'm not, I'm not convinced that yet. So maybe the teams don't. Maybe there's some teams out there or some players out there that may know something that they feel like they're not going to do anything until that, that there's more info out there that they're for sure done. I'm not sure, but all right. Well,
0: you go ahead. Hey, two Let's more see. things. Go ahead. Two, yes. Two more go things. ahead. Then, I'm done. then I'll shut up. Then we'll, <laughs> we'll still before in before the hour. Uh, just to, just to point out, we talked about earlier Wainwright's ERA the last few years. In 2019, it was 419. In 2020, it was 315. In 2021, it was 305. And so far this year, it's 273. So he's just getting better with age. So uh, next year, two and a half, right? Well, there you go, right? (laughs) And And then my last point that I'll be done, make sure you check out the new Budweiser commercial starring Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. It's called Best Buds. It's worth checking out. He's, they're
1: going to be on. They're going to be on cans too. They're going to be commemorative yeah, cans there out go. there. So I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to find most of my
0: collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: sorry. We said one more thing. Kyle, would you like to tell the story of Adam Wainwright meeting him and uh, what the oh, yeah, conversation yeah. was? Would you like to? <laughs> so we went sure. to. and We went and we uh, got to do a signing with Adam Wainwright, and um, we and we got. got went in line bought the ticket. I bought my tickets and a long time ago. Yeah. Kyle got his today of but told out. A friend of ours helped hook us up for that. But thank you. Um, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. As we get in line and and we're waiting uh, to get up uh, there and meet Adam, Adam comes out. He waves at everyone. It's very nice. And then go ahead, You can tell the rest of your. Part. Yeah, I think, so I've, shared the with, I've shared this story with I've shared the story with many people already. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was at St. Louis Sports Co. in the mall at Chesterfield in St. Louis. About the only thing in the mall in the Chesterfield area. But anyway, uh beside the point. Uh, Adam, we walk up uh, to see Adam Wainwright. Um, and, uh, I, I got a Jersey you did as well. He signed uh, my Jersey. And as he was signing, I said, you know, that we share the same birthday. And uh, he said, he said, really? He said September 1st. And right about when I said, yep, I'm like, no, that's not my birthday. Um, but he was joking. He said, he gets them every time. And so there you go. He, and then he put on my uh, Jersey that he signed, uh, to my birthday twin. So there you go. I have that on my Jersey forever, but, uh, just a great guy. It was all done for charity, and and couldn't be more excited to to get an Adam Wainwright autographed jersey to, to hang in the collection for years to come.
1: Absolutely, my wife makes fun of me because I told him well, good luck the rest of the year. I didn't ask him to come on the podcast. Ask him. You know, <laughs> I didn't ask him about anything. I didn't ask about being called wagon maker. I Didn't ask any of the things that we oh, talked boy. about for years and years over at with Adam Wainwright since you know he made his debut back in 06. I just said good luck the rest of the year, and I appreciate him signing my jersey. My wife makes fun of me. We have a good story to tell everyone forever, and that's what I have. But we both have Adam Wainwright autographed. uh, Good dude. Good dude to
0: me. While we're we're talking about uh, those, those unforgettable moments when you meet your favorite people ever and what you're supposed to say and not say, I was in the press box at Bush Stadium years ago, the old Bush Stadium, and I'm filling up my drink cup with ice, and I move over to the soda, and another hand comes up with a cup of ice, And, you know, his picture is right up there. Uh, It's my broadcasting idol, Jack Buck, filling up his cup as I am right side by side. And it's like, okay, I'm going to say something. I'm I'm going to have a conversation with Jack Buck. And what is the first thing that I say to that man to try to make a good impression? I turn to him and I say, and I quote, you're Jack Buck. That's what I said. And he said, well, that's what people tell me. Uh, in typical Jack Buck fashion, I said, let's just restart this conversation, and, and I got to talk to him for a, a good five minutes there. Another another good guy, a special soul, and, and one that uh, I know I'm still looking to find a replacement for that I really, really like in the Cardinal radio booth all these years later. That is no joke.
1: Sometimes the radio can be... Um... Difficult to listen to, but I love Jack and a good thing we have him. We've, yep. and we've we got to meet him before as well. But so if anyone knows of any more signings coming up for, uh, for charity, I'm always into signings cause I have a, a good collection and I would like to keep adding to it. And, um, we'll so shout them out. Shout them out. you know, what that charity was for though? The yeah, two was seconds for, it was, um, big league impact, big league yeah. impact was who that charity was for. He's uh, Adam yeah, Wainwright and Tommy Edmund. Yeah. Adam Wainwright and Tommy Edmund are also doing A golf uh, top golf thing in the next week or so for big league impact there's a bunch of um, guys that participate in that so um so the money we spent to get the way nice went to that so definitely spend money and help them out all right we're done now you guys have anything else for real this time
2: nope nothing (laughs) Um, else for the good of the cause we're we're done
1: all right (laughs) we appreciate everybody watching at home wherever you are on your phone or whatever or listening to us the next day in your car whatever it is this has been That's the Winner Podcast
0: from the belt to the plate a swing and a miss and that's a winner that's a winner a World Series winner for the Cardinals Smith Clark's one in the right down the line it may go go crazy folks go crazy it's a home run and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two and a home run by the Wizards.